I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. Yeah. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member at MavsMoneyBall.com, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, writer at Mavs.com, and Luka Doncic, height truther. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? How tall is he? 6'8", 6'7". 6'6". 6'9", according to Dirk. So I have a question, or I have, not a question, I have a story. So I am... So, you know, I teach this class on Sunday mornings uh, at a church, and I have some uh, youth in this class. How to hate LeBron James 101. How to hate LeBron James 101. <laughs> LeBron James depreciation 101. <laughs> you know how it's like movie <laughs> appreciation? <laughs> Here's my slideshow. Um, but no, so we're, uh, we were talking about like money and different stuff, and I asked the, uh, we were talking about th- good things that you can do with your money. So it was like, hey, when you get older, uh, or even now with your, like your chore money, whatever. But when you get older and you become adults, and uh, what what are some good ways that you can uh, use your money to help other people or for like good causes? All right. So I had one, I had a you know one guy was like, oh, I can give to like some charities and stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, good answer, God, You know, I like that. Or you can give to like this organization. You could donate. You know, you could tie it to the church, whatever. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, whatever. This one kid, right? He's in like sixth grade, raises his hand, is the smallest kid, barely talks or anything. And I was like, all right, yeah, cool. You're going to answer a question. Like, this is awesome. He's going to talk. He goes, I would call the IRS and pay for everyone in my neighborhood's taxes. <laughs> what the freaking crap kind of I'm like, let me move to your neighborhood, dude, When you get, whenever you become How an adult. He was in sixth grade. <laughs> thinking about like, thinking about taxes and IRS already. Homeboy literally is just like, nah, I'm not thinking about charities or anything like that. I'm thinking of I'm gonna call the IRS and pay for everybody in my neighborhood's taxes at the end of the year. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap, dude. Like what? I don't, I don't even know what the IRS was in middle school. <laughs> this dude like knows what they do and like anyway. <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was a hilarious thing. And, oh, it's uh, so funny. I've thought about that. For the past few days, <laughs> that's great. That's a great. It's a random, uh, random podcast story for you. There you go, random podcast story for a random podcast. Today we are doing the player preview of Wes Matthews. Uh, like Harrison Barnes, this is going to be pretty cut and dry. We kind of know what's going on with Wes, and uh, we know what the season is kind of going to bring for him. And so we'll talk about it as you know to whatever length we can. <laughs> but uh, you know. It's uh, going to be pretty straightforward here, I think, for this. There will be some interesting things. We'll do it in the same exact format we have been doing. We will do uh, the biggest question and the best and worst case scenario for a player uh, for his season this year. So we'll be doing that. As always, this correlates with the Mavs Moneyball preview, so go read those. Um, if you haven't, go read the uh, the Harrison Barnes one and the, D- and the Dirk Nowitzki ones are already live. The Luka Doncic one isn't live yet. Um, I don't know. I don't even think it's written yet, so you can't read it because it hasn't been thought up yet. Uh, I started writing my DeAndre Jordan preview today. I did all this research, spent hours looking up stats and stuff, and I got 
probably one fourth of the way through the article and I was at a thousand words. <laughs> oh. And I was like, well, well I'm going to split this up. <laughs> so, so I'll have a DeAndre Jordan series coming for sure. Uh, a <laughs> lot of a lot of really interesting stuff about that. So uh, I also have a couple other pieces on Mavs Moneyball right now. I have a piece about Luka Doncic's height right now. No one can agree how tall Luka Doncic is right now. Just no one can. There's a there's a lot of different sources and sites, but they're all different, and it's really funny. Hey, but Nick, just measure him. I should just measure him. That's what I should just. That's what people have been tweeting me. I'm like, okay, you'd like me to just go measure him? That's not like a normal <laughs> report. Next, next media scrum that he's in, I'll just ask him. How how tall are you? Well, I think that like last year at P three, he was measured at six eight in shoes. So, okay. That's so what I, that's. If so somebody asked me, I'd say six eight. Yeah, I feel like that's. I feel like that's the actual height. I I found it more funny that all these different places disagree. Like the Mavericks disagree in two different places. Uh, NBA.com disagreed in two different places. <laughs> like it's just all this stuff. Like two K, NBA two K has him at one height, and then the the website two K ratings dot com had him at a different height. And I was like, how does that happen? Because two K ratings is just getting it from the website or getting yeah. it from the games. So I don't know how that happened. <laughs> It's just it's funny stuff. And then uh, I have two more pieces that are coming out today, I think. Um, one, Devin Harris was on the Road Tripping podcast, so you can uh, check that out and listen to that. And I also have a piece about Dennis and Luca becoming friends. And I walked through their friendship and uh, how it's blossoming into this this great friendship and how it's awesome. Why can't so, we be friends? They are. They are friends. <laughs> so, yeah, you can check all that out. I've had some extra time on my hands, so I'm writing a bunch. <laughs> Heck yeah, I'm here for writing Nick. <laughs> I didn't write like it all, all summer, and now I'm like writing a piece like every day. Now you're rolling. I am rolling. The ideas are flowing. This team has got me excited, man. I'm excited to cover a team that's not going to be, you know, in the lot. Like trash, <laughs> yeah. And just like in the lottery and have a lot of interesting pieces. You know, there's a lot of different interesting pieces on this team. Um, one of which I think is Wes Matthews in the sense that he he's we know what he's going to be. We know that he is, you know, still very good defensively. He's going to be charged with defending the best player on, you know, the best perimeter player on the other team, whether that's, you know, some point guards, whether that's James Harden type, um, LeBron at times, I guess, you know, just like any guy that's going to pose a big threat. And he's also going to, he's going to be very important on offense because he spaces the floor and spreads the floor and he knows that because he's told you know you and other people that he is wants to extend his range and he wants to step out farther behind the three-point line uh and he's not just saying that because you know he's trying to get better at threes and whatever there's a the reason for that is to spread the floor he knows that he has these two guys in dennis and luca that you know like to work north and south and they, they move up and down and they they need some space and they need to be open. So as far out as he can pull a defender as he can, that's going to create a lot more space for them to use. So that is intentional for sure. I'm sure that a coach came up to him and was like, hey, we have these two guys. We need you know, some more space, and so you need to extend your range a little bit. And so he's working on that now. Yeah, I mean, with Wes, really with the storyline coming in from the summer the first time uh really we seen him we saw some pictures of him online it looked like he had slimmed down and you know him and deandre really uh, i guess took to their bodies this summer and you could we've talked about on the pod you know a couple different times about uh just athletically and just in shape how what he looks like right now and how slimmer uh, he looks 
uh, as a player and all that stuff. This is, uh, you know, this will be his fourth year in Dallas. And it's crazy that, you know, he came over. It's crazy his first season, you know, was three years ago. It feels like it was almost yesterday that, you know, he decided to stay, stick around and DeAndre backed out and all that stuff. That's crazy. It was, you know, this is the fourth season of that contract. And, you know, we'll talk about him being an expiring contract later on this pod, but at least I want to talk about it and what that could look like this season as far as trade bait and all that stuff because that's being brought up a lot of, a lot right now. But with with Wes's career, you know, he, he was in Utah that first year, but then, you know, he, he hit Portland, and then that his second year in the league in Portland when he was 24 years old, you know, he, he was logging over 33 minutes a game. And for the past eight years, he's 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 averaged over 33 minutes a game. Like, not a lot of players can really say that, that for eight years straight, two different teams, they, you know, you averaged over 33 minutes a game. I mean, that's a ton of, like, you know, that's starter minutes, that is... That's you know, just dependability right there. There's, there's a yeah. lot of, the, you know, people can put their... Teams can put their trust in Wes Matthews. He's going to bring... Pretty much the same thing every single night, you know, and, and at times in Dallas, because, you know, the team's been really bad. He's been trying to do a little too much extra. And I think everybody on this podcast that's listening knows that we don't you know, want the dribble drive West Matthews and he's trying to do, to do that. But we know he still brings the things that, you know, that teams really love and the teams really like. And it's a valued commodity in the NBA and 33 minutes a game every single year for, for years and years is, you know, is like Isaac said, it is, you know, it's hard to come by and. Wes Matthews is still doing it. And you think back to those Portland teams and the role that he played in Portland. You know, that Portland team, really thinking back on it, with, with Lillard and Wes Matthews and Nick Batum and Aldridge, Robin Lopez. Like, <laughs> that was a fun that was a fun little squad there. And young C.J. McCollum on the uprise. <laughs> young C.J. McCollum and stuff. And, you know, when, when they decided to split that team apart and they all, you know, went different directions and – it was, you know, because of that injury that happened and, and all that stuff. But with Wes, he played this certain role in Portland of we need you to be the definition of a three and D guy. And we need you like we don't need you to play make. We don't need you to take the ball and ice you know, isolate and do all this stuff. We have Damian Lillard, we have Lamarcus Aldridge. Like these are two guys. We have Nick Batum. We have the up and coming, like you just said, CJ McCollum. Like we don't need you to do that. We need you to play lockdown defense, and we need we need you to spread the floor and knock down a three pointer. And when looking at like his three point percentage in Portland from his his very first year in Portland, he played all eighty two games, started in sixty nine games, averaged over thirty three minutes a game, and he shot forty percent from three. And like this is his averages in Portland: forty from the three point line, forty, like, thirty, <laughs> thirty eight, thirty nine, thirty nine. And basically 39.389. Like, that's um, right, like 39 to 40% shooting from three for like five or six years straight there. So, like, there was a defined role there to where it wasn't like he was their their bulldog. He was their attack dog on defense, but he was knocking down a three at a super high clip because he went straight from that to 36 36 his first two years in Dallas. And yeah, he had the Achilles injury and all that stuff. But for me, this is the first time in his stint in Dallas 
that I think he will truly go directly back to his role in Portland. Of When you look back at the past couple of years for the roster makeup around Wes, like we were just asking him to do like the criticism around West. We, we took up for him on this pod of saying, Hey, like he's having to do this stuff. This is beyond his role. This is like people are throwing out the, you know, the crazy, you know, Holy shooting so bad percentage and stuff. That's because they're giving him the ball with like 10 seconds left on the shot clock and say, Hey, go get us a bucket. That's yeah, not his job. <laughs> yeah. So like looking at who, you know, who makes up the roster when he's playing with Darren Williams and Andrew Bogut, and, you know, even last year without Luka and without DeAndre Jordan, now he he steps into this Mavericks role to where they look at him and it's the same thing in Portland. And they say, we need you to be our junkyard dog. We need you to go be a you know wing defender against the best wing players in the league. And we need, we need you to knock down threes at a high clip. That's your, that's your like, that's his role. That's what he is got him that money um, because he was successful at it in Portland. So for the first time in his time in Dallas, I think now he gets to be Portland West Matthews again. And for everything that he's saying, this is the best shape he's been, the healthiest he's been, and everything since uh, he first came to Dallas too. So those two things combined I think could could and should result in his best statistical season in Dallas. Yeah, you certainly hope so. Um, coming up next, the biggest question or storyline surrounding Wes Matthews as it pertains to the season coming up in front of us that is near and not far and that is a few days away that will be the season. All right, Isaac, what's your big question surrounding Wes Matthews? My big question is, Will less ISO ball mean better shooting? That's my biggest question for Wes Matthews. So, question for you. Um, of On Synergy, it lists all the different offensive play types uh, for a player. There is spot-up, off-screen, pick-and-roll ball handler, transition, post-up, isolation, handoff, cut. You list it. All does these different have, categories. Does it have dribble off your foot in traffic? <laughs> Maybe. Um, has all these different categories. Let's just say there's like 10 different categories. Um, going down the line, you know, Synergy takes points per possession and ranks, and they have this thing where they, they give these ratings as far as like poor on up to excellent. And when you're excellent, you're in like the top echelon of the league in that certain category, okay? So going down through the line, there is one category in Wesley Matthews' offensive um sections that says below average it's the lowest rating of all of these sections can you take a wild guess on what what statistical offensive category that is i'm gonna take isolation for 600 alex wow 600 you got 600 dollars nick what Um, is isolation oh my gosh so okay i first off i realized it is a small sample size because like he only had an isolation in uh in 56 possessions last year that's too many. But, that's too that's way too many. Yes. That's so many. Uh point He only point played six. in like sixty nine games last year. Point six per points per possession uh on that in uh that's bad. Six, 
in the 16th. You get, I just want to remind everybody, you get two points for a basket. <laughs> Three if you're behind a certain line on the floor. So point six per possession is not good. In the uh, 16th percentile in the league of that. So, 16? Uh, That's... <laughs> Wow. And the team scored 30% of the time. So 84% of the league is better at isolation than Wes Matthews. There you go. <laughs> um, so, like we talked about with Harrison Barnes in this new movement uh, that yeah. Carlisle's talking about, really it's the talk of every team. I've noticed this looking at different media days. <laughs> I saw like the Suns talking about different, like, oh, we just want to get out and run and all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, okay, every team everybody talks about that. But with Carlisle and this whole movement thing, he's talking about pass and move and motion and cuts and picking, and, you know, pick and rolls and all this different stuff with Luca and now DeAndre and stuff. One thing is clear, okay? Isolation is going to go down for Harrison Barnes some, but it's definitely going to go down for Wesley Matthews, or at least it should, okay? Yeah. There should never be a possession, never, in which in which Wesley Matthews gets the ball and they clear it out, or like he goes in isolation. Should never happen. Now, there's a difference between Wesley Matthews getting the ball on the three-point line and saying, hey, go take this dude off the dribble, compared to his post-up game, which we we mentioned last year. Yeah. He got better in the post-up. And his like his advanced stats of his post-up statistics are excellent. Like It's really good. Wow. So like when he does post-up, he takes advantage of these smaller guards that get switched off on him. And he actually did pretty well in the post. But we're talking about the isolation, like go get me a bucket. That yeah, should never, ever happen this year. Never. No, no, I'm expecting zero possessions to shoot. <laughs> Less than ten. <laughs> yeah, there will be there will be some accidental ones for sure. Um, my biggest question for Wes Matthews is more on the defensive side. How much can he cover up and help Dennis and Luca hide? I just think that everything revolves around Dennis and Luca this year. And how much can Wes Matthews? take on the best the best offensive player, you know, the best wing offensive player every single night and allow Dennis and Luca to uh to hide on other people. Because switching, you know, like Isaac just said, moving the ball around a lot, switching, you know, pick you know, pick and rolls, pick and pops all the time. West starts on the best player, but then you know, these picks and these switches happen to where now Wes is not on the best player and now Dennis is isolated on them or Luca is isolated on them or even DeAndre is isolated out on them. Like, he has to just fight through all these picks all the time. And how much can he still do that now in uh, in this season for him, which he's going to be 30... How old's Wes going to be this year? Um, 32. He's going to be 32 this year. Uh, so hopefully, like you said, he's going to be all the way back. You know, this will be the great year because of the Achilles. Um, the Mavs also don't have a ton of depth in the wing department as far as, you know, like a f- very effective defenders. You have Dorian Finney-Smith, but we've talked about, you know, Dorian and, and Ryan Brokoff that, you know, between the two of them. You also have uh, Devin Harris, who's, you know, in the end of his career, which, by the way, the <laughs> on the Road Tripping podcast, the, the piece that goes up tomorrow – um, Devin Harris said that this summer he got more calls to be a coach than to be a player this year. Wow. <laughs> so I'm not really expecting Devin Harris like a ton from Devin Harris, you know, this year. Uh, we'll talk about him in a couple previews, but the Mavericks really need Wes Matthews to be a great, excellent defender this year because they have to, he has to cover up a lot of different things. 
because um, there's just not a lot of options after him. And really, when he gets in foul trouble, you know, where's where do they turn? You know, like, do they, you know, try, do they wear Harrison down a little bit and just switch Harrison on to whoever West is trying to guard? I think I think the next I think they bring in Dorian Finney Smith. I mean I, I think they're hoping that Finney Smith can at least be Wes Matthews light off the bench and say, Hey, if Wes gets in foul trouble, we're just gonna throw Dodo in there and say, Go, you know, guard that player, whoever it is. So yeah, guard that player and be respectable from the outside. The outside is a whole different ballgame. Um but, That's why I said respectable. We- <laughs> That's true. Uh with with Wesley, with Wes's like defensive potential in that in that starting lineup, like this is the like this plays a part into why Dirk's coming off the bench. Like Carlisle was very open when he was talking about that opening media day press conference, saying we really need like Wesley Matthews at the beginning of games. We love his energy and we yeah. need him guarding the best you know wing player on the opposing team, and that's going to be like his number one a job is. Be that defensive, be de- uh, defensive guy, and then knock down those three pointers, which he's talked about. You know, extending that range and stuff. So, that's the. There's two jobs for Wesley Matthews this year, okay? And it shouldn't. Let's not like overcomplicate it for him. Defend, and hit a three. I mean that that should be his two things. And there is a veteran leadership type reflection. Um, infectious energy that Wes brings to the team. And that's why yeah. you, you hear competitive when, fire. Yes. When you hear um, Mavericks people and even like, you know, fans and stuff would complain a lot over the past year or so, or, and especially when it came on to draft night and it looked like Luca wasn't going to happen because Mark Stein tweets out and said, Dallas is unwilling to give up Wesley Matthews for Kent baseball. <laughs> And all this stuff, and everybody's like, "Oh my gosh!" If they don't give up West for, we Luka, almost freaked out when that happened. When we we did draft. freak out for like two minutes. Um, <laughs> this is gonna be this is this is Isaac on on draft night after we heard that. This is gonna be the biggest. This is gonna be the biggest. I can't believe this is gonna be the biggest mistake. If they don't give up West Math. You know this. This is what's holding them back from Luca. <laughs> I was literally I was like this will go down will go down worse than Giannis yeah. as far as yeah. like if this is the reason why we don't get Luka Doncic. Um but anyway, that was a dark like 10 minutes of our lives right It was there. kind of funny, but I was so mad. It's um, funny now looking back cuz now they have Luka yes. and now you know it was you know turned out right. Um but anyway, that, this season would be so different if we were looking at like Trey Young. Oh, true. That, I don't think that was ever an option. <laughs> Lord no, I can't even imagine Trey Young. Um, but anyway, there is a reason why the why the Mavericks love him, and there's a reason why that could they have did a deal a, a trade around Wes and DeAndre possibly. But one thing is we we don't know exactly know, how the Clippers that, have all the guards. <laughs> yeah, we don't know exactly how that all played out in discussions. The only thing we do know about that situation is the fact that the Mavericks absolutely love Wesley Matthews. They love that his energy and the hustle and everything he get he gives, and you know what's happening in practice and stuff too. It rubs off into these players. And they want you want your young guys to get that energy, to get that infectious. What Wes Matthews gives on a court, energy-wise, it's just different than somebody like Harrison or Dirk 
or you name it or even like i we don't know like we've seen like energetic luca and stuff before but like it's different than dennis smith jr like he's not like wesley matthew there's just nobody on the roster really like him you know like i would say salah is like almost like the closest thing to him yeah maybe. now deandre like, is like that but i guess so i don't know like yeah, when when you watch when you watch DeAndre, he is like a, he's animated on the court. He has these emphatic dunks. He has these alley oops. He has these swats. You know, like he 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 brings like these big energy plays to teams, and I think he's gonna bring that for sure. But like DeAndre, I feel like is still gonna be like like when you walk into the locker room after the game. There's one player like after a loss, I immediately say in my mind, I'm not talking to blank player after this game. Wesley Matthews, because this man is pissed off. Like he is genuinely so mad that they lost the game, and it like it's just fuming from him. Like there is a like they're just not there's not many players wired like that. And when I'm I've, I've tried to explain it to my dad and stuff before, and I'm like, oh man, it's just like I don't like I don't enjoy talking to Wesley Matthews after yeah, you games. Feel bad like talking to him. all this all this different stuff. But you know what? I I, I but I said to myself. But I respect it so much. Like I don't, I don't look at him in any certain way. There's certain people uh, that I don't enjoy talking to that I don't really like respect. Why I'm not talking to them? But I respect that grind because I'm like, man, I, I if I'm coaching a team, I want somebody to have that fire like he has. So anyway, my biggest questions around, you know, <laughs> will the less less ISO result in uh, in in better shooting? But yeah, that's good. We got an offensive and a defensive biggest question. When we come back, the best and worst case scenario for Wes Matthews. Worst case scenario for Wes Matthews. This is kind of hard. We have these three guys in the starting lineup that don't have a ton of variance. You know, DeAndre, Wes, and Harrison Barnes. You know what you're going to get out of them. Uh, worst case scenario. Wes Matthews, besides injury, obviously, besides you know going back down with an injury, um, his defense is slipping. He's not able to contain you know the best players as as well as you know he has been in the past, and his three point shot you know slips, and he tries more isos. You know, it's like it has to be all three yeah. of those things. Pretty for, much, he goes be. back to his first year in Dallas. Wesley Matthews, <laughs> yes. Where it's just like he looks kind of rusty and like all his stuff, and he just he can't he's not defending at that elite level. He's shooting less than thirty seven, thirty eight percent from three, isoing it out still, stuff like that. And that's worst case scenario. Best case scenario. Worst, yeah, that's worst case scenario. Best case scenario. By the way, I'm looking at Wes Matthews stats. Each of the last three years in Dallas, he averaged two point four threes made a game. Exactly. Weird. Interesting. But Weird. his percentages went up every year, right? Uh, I believe so. Yes. Yeah, yeah. From 36.0 yeah. to 36.3 to 38.1. Yeah. So, best case scenario, he stays that, you know, uh, best case scenario, honestly, DeAndre helps him also be a better defender. So, he even improves his defense from last year. He becomes an even better three-point shooter because he gets more open shots from Luka and second-year Dennis. And he he stays as this consistent three and D you know player that we've always dreamed of. That's <laughs> the best case yeah. scenario. He you know his energy and his fire, like Isaac said, leads the team and then make the playoffs because then he'll be happy. 
Can we do our over under on him at, on his three point percentage? Ooh. Yes. What, what are you gonna set it as? What do you want to set it at? Would you say over thirty eight or under? I would say over thirty eight. Would you say thirty nine over or under? I think he's. I think he hit forty this year. You think he'll hit forty? Yeah. So you say over forty? Yeah. All right, I'll take under forty. Okay. I think he'll get close. I I was gonna say forty, but I I'll, I'll take slightly under, like thirty eight. About thirty nine and a half. Thirty nine and a half. Sure. You take over. I'll take under. That's and the, I'm not this taking one of the first like, time I've been positive on a player so far. <laughs> no, I took um, Dirk over seventy two games. Never mind. Yeah, so for me, best case scenario, he goes, he kind of goes back to uh, the 2013-14 Portland Blazer, uh, Wesley Matthews, and that it's really I'm really intri- intrigued with like how much he's going to score on this team because that year in Portland he scored 16 points a game. Yeah. Uh, he's not going to score 16 points a game uh, on this Mavs team. I don't think he will. But he also shot 39% from three that year. So best case scenario, he goes back to that Portland role in in all. But the thing is, he made the same amount of threes that he did his last couple years in Dallas. So he was having different, he was having success doing different things that year in Portland too. The Mavericks aren't going to ask him to do the same kind of things. That's true. That's true. Um, What was I going to say? Goes back to the Portland West. Best case scenario, he doesn't ISO at parentheses synergy stat, which I already used. And <laughs> all right, so to keep my my trend going with these player previews, I've tried to pick somebody across the league in the role that they play uh, for their respective teams, and said, "Hey, it would be cool if he could play that similar type of role in that like efficiency." For the Mavericks, okay. So it was really hard trying to find one for Wesley Matthews because I used Chris Middleton for Harrison Barnes, saying, "Hey, I, you know, can Harrison Barnes put up a stat line like Chris Middleton playing along in that role, playing alongside this point four in Giannis and in Luca now?" So what's a similar type of role for Wes? So I started looking across Play. the league and I'm like, "Who is?" That? Well, I was like, "Who is like the premium lockdown three and D guys in the league?" That I want somebody that is a really good defender, like that can lock down wing defend you know, like wing players. <laughs> Clay, but is but is shooting like a, that is shooting like at least thirty eight percent and above, and that's just hard. It's really hard to look at because even when you look at you think of wing defenders, you think yeah, of like Andre Roberson, like he sucks at shooting. My yeah. kid Gilchrist. <laughs> <laughs> or like you look at different guys and they might be shooting like thirty six percent. Or you look at like JJ Redick, he shot forty two percent from three. But even he's like Ariza and Tucker. Yeah, like I looked at Ariza's numbers and but Ariza only averaged like thirty six percent from three. I want somebody thirty eight up because then I looked at Robert Covington. I'm like, oh, yeah. you know what, Covington would be a good one, but he only shot thirty six percent from three. So I have one and it's a little bit out of position because this this guy is a small forward. But thinking about the role that he plays on his team, Joe Ingles, <laughs> in the fact that he's not not yeah. the playmaker, and we don't want him dribbling like Joe Ingles. But listen, listen to this stat line. If you if you tell me this is what he averaged this year, I'll be like, man, this is awesome. Joe Ingles last year averaged eleven and a half points a game, 
and he shot 44% from three. Led the league. And that's averaging five and a half threes a game. I think West will shoot probably around five threes a game. Maybe six. Yeah, he well, Wes has taken he t- he's taken at least six threes each of the last three years, and then his last year in Portland he took seven and a half. Okay, so he's definitely taken six. He could, you know <laughs> keep in par with the last three years, but and Joe Ingles is a really good defender. He's a he's a like. I wouldn't say he's the elite of the elite, but he's a really good defender. He actually he played really good defense on Paul George. I guess it was was it last year or two years ago? I think it was last year's last playoffs. Year when they beat him in the first round. Yeah. So so look at Joe Ingles' role with with the Jazz when they have Donovan Mitchell, they have Gobert, they have all their pieces in that hey, the glue guy type of he likes to chat. We talked to Ryan Brokoff on the pod and Ryan Brokoff, you know, was talking about how chatty Joe Ingles is, but like this like defensive wing, he sh- shoots forty four percent from the field, eleven and a half points per game. If that's what Wesley Matthews can give the Mavericks this year, I'm thrilled. Like right under twelve points a game, shoot at forty four percent from the from three, and guard the best wing defenders on the on the opposing team. Sign me up. That's what I want from him. I'm Am in. I saying he's Joe Ingles perfectly? Not at all. I'm just using that as a as an example with that. He looks much more like an NBA player than Joe Ingles. <laughs> he definitely looks much more like an NBA player than Joe Ingles. Can I give you one more one more stat? And I tweeted this out, and that's kind of like a deeper thing, but people, you know, whatever. Um, last year, Wesley Matthews, on unguarded catch-and-shoot shots. Oh, yeah. We, look, we looked at this stat with Dirk, but with Wesley Matthews, he ranked in the 87th percentile in the league, an excellent rating, 1.3 points possession per possession. That's on 140 shot attempts. He shot 46% field goal percentage. Dang. On catch and on catch and shoot you, un, unguarded shots. You know how many of those are threes? Uh, I do not know. No. 46 doesn't seem like that big of a percentage though. I mean, he's in the 87th percentile. Yeah, that's yeah, a good percentile for the NBA. Earned an excellent rating on Synergy through that. The, the team more I scored. hear stats like this, it's the <laughs> makes it so wild that Dirk averaged fifty percent from the, from the field that one year when he was fifty four when he was fifty forty ninety. Like that's just it's insane. So my point with that is, now you add the playmaking of Luka Doncic, and now you add the rim running presence of DeAndre Jordan. He was an excellent unguarded catch and shoot player last year. What on earth do you think he's going to be this year? A catch and shoot <laughs> shooting unguarded three pointers <laughs> because it's going he's going to spread open the floor. Yeah. So he was excellent at it last year, and I think it's only going to be magnified this year. He's definitely in the right place. You know, it's definitely a great role player to have. There's not a lot of them, like Isaac said, around the league. Um, so yeah, there you go. Go to our Twitter. I'm actually going to start posting these over unders as a thread, um, that you can vote on. So we'll have those open and I'll have the voting open for a long time so that people can get to them if they get the podcast late. So go to at lockdown maps. You can follow us there. Follow me at Nick Van exit. Follow Isaac at Isaac L Harris. Can we talk about something real quick for like two minutes? Sure. I didn't know you had more things on West math. Well, well, no, 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 not stats or anything. It is. It's the idea around his trade value. 
And, oh, yeah, yeah. We do have to talk about this. And that he is getting thrown in trades and stuff right now. He is on an expiring contract. He picked up his option. Obviously, he's on an expiring contract. This could be his last year in Dallas. Somebody tweeted out, uh, I think it was us today, and said, hey, can you see a scenario in which he finishes out the year in Dallas and that he and he re-signs over the summer? I said, absolutely, I could yes. see a, that scenario. Um the, the question with his trade value is a lot of people think that he's going to be like traded or he's going to be gone. Here's the thing. If he's doing really well, like, okay, first off, for him to have value and to have like good value to bring back, then that means he's doing really well, which yep. should result in, win, in wins, okay? And if he's doing well and other teams really want to trade for him, that means he's shooting a very high percentage from three, and that means he's playing really, really good wing defense. That's exactly what we need around <laughs> Luka and Dennis and, and the guys. So it's kind of like a give or take. If like you need him to be playing well, and like in that case, you're probably just going to hold on to him. But it, like, do you think that it is willing? Like, how many players across the league? If you're Dallas, would you sacrifice if he? Okay, play out the scenario. He's playing well. He's doing everything that I just said. That it is garnering uh, trade interest from teams, and they're lining up their packages. Well, whatever for West Matthews. Um, how many players across the league are worth it to sacrifice cap room for? And yeah, it, it would only have to be a young player or assets because the team, the team. If the Mavericks are in a position to trade West Matthews, that means that they are not trying to win right now. Exactly at, at that point in the season. So, like, if we get to the you know the trade deadline or wherever in the NBA season, that's February, and the Mavericks are you know. <laughs> like way under 500 and can't even get, you know, aren't even close to the playoffs because the West is just so brutal. And so then they're like, all right, well, let's just, we're going to lose West, you know, for nothing. And cause he's mad again that they're losing and him and Deandre have been fighting and you know, <laughs> whatever, like then they try to get him from, for future assets or young player. Like it has, has to be one of the two. I can't see a scenario where they bring back another player, like another veteran player. <laughs> Yeah, because because that's the thing of like if if they do entertain entertain trade offers and stuff for him, you know, what type of player like you would do it for a Bradley Bill? Like you would sacrifice that, but you'd have to add in more stuff to get Bradley Bill. How many players along that line would you take in? And because they are valuing cap space big time for next summer. Because they're going to be one of the you know three to five teams with a ton of cap, eighty four million. No, um, <laughs> it's eighty seven, Isaac. Oh, eighty seven. Um, but they're going to be one of those handful of teams that can have all this cap space. So sacrificing the expiring contract of Wesley Matthews, because trust me, there will be teams out there that will look at it and say, "Man, I would love to uh, switch out my bad contract for the expiring contract of Wesley Matthews." There'll be contending teams that will look at it and say, I would love to switch out. Like, like let's say Minnesota makes a trade and they're actually like in playoffs and stuff. Hmm. Would they love to switch out Gorgie Jang for Wesley Matthews for a playoff run? Yeah. Absolutely, they probably would. But would you want to pay Gorgie Jang for two more seasons after this? Probably not. It's getting harder and harder to find good teams with bad contracts like that, though. Yeah. And, but that's that's like... With the Miami Heat, if they're making a playoff run, if they you yeah, know if they get stuff Jimmy like Butler, 
Like if they get Jimmy Butler and they're like, oh, you know what? Let's push. Let's try to make a little playoff run. Would they like to trade Hassan Whiteside for, for you know Wesley Matthews? Yeah, like lol. Can, the Mavericks have DeAndre Jordan and Hassan Whiteside on the same team. I know, but like that's that type of situation to where like he will have trade value come the deadline for the simple fact that he is a bigger contract that is expiring. Teams will want to flop, you know, flip flop that. And in that case, how much are you willing to sacrifice cap room and would there, if the season, and I'm interested to see how they approach it in this case. Let's say they're fighting, but they're like, like they're like the tenth seed in the West come the trade deadline, yeah. and they're like, man, I just don't know. I don't you gotta know. make a decision. And, one, well, the thing about this team is though, one way or the other, it doesn't matter because their draft pick's not going to be any good. Yeah, so it's like if, the, it's not, and if it's they're not looking to be there unless it's top five, so. and they're looking at it and they're saying, man, I just don't know, like. What, you know what? What are we gonna do? You know, as far as the rest of the season, and you got a few offers on the table to where you're pretty, whether where it's like a pretty much of a flip flop West for another like expiring, but you get like a either a young player or a pick in the deal. Also, that's where it's going to get really intriguing because they really like him. Gut feeling, I think he's here for the rest of the year. I, I yes. think they're just going to yeah. play it out. They're going to make a playoff push. Whether that results in you know them being in the playoffs or barely missing it, I think he's here for the rest of the year. I don't think he gets traded, and they just roll into next summer saying, "Okay, well, if he walks, then it's not like we're looking back saying, oh, my gosh, we had these crazy King's Ransom offers, and we just turned them all down.' It's not going to be something like that for Wes Matthews, but I think he's a Maverick uh, come the end of the season. For sure, for sure. And since we're already over what I thought we were going to hit with the podcast, do you want to talk about the Jimmy Butler thing? Sure. The Jimmy Butler thing is wild. Um, this is the weirdest thing. So so with Jimmy Butler, the word coming out of Minnesota initially, like Feb- like September 22nd or something like that, a couple days ago, was that there was Jimmy Butler? All the trade inquiries for Jimmy Butler were getting turned down. Then all of a sudden, the owner came in and said, "No, we are trading Jimmy Butler. We are operating under the assumption that we are trading Jimmy Butler and all offers on the table." Then Jimmy Butler comes out with his list, and then the interested teams come, you know, come out, and there's a list of those teams, and then Towns gets signed to this massive extension. It is like this the weirdest thing. Uh, Chris Sheridan just tweeted out. I just saw this. This made me think about this. A source who knows everything and everyone surrounding the Jimmy Butler trade told me this. Tibbs actually wants to get fired. That's interesting. <laughs> like, the situation just so dang weird. and Going completely against his owner. And going he, it's, so, it's so odd. Excusing him from media day and then like him yeah, still not getting traded and like all this stuff. And then like it came out and Mark Stein dropped a little a little bomb today. I was like, Oh, Miami's the team he really wants to go yeah, to. Yeah. Well uh, Miami com- was in the lead and he wasn't Miami wasn't on the list and now all of a sudden Miami's on the list. Yeah, and so it 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 gets weird. I don't think Dallas gets involved in this at all. Not just for Jimmy Butler, but even like a, as a third team and stuff. Yeah, but the, the, yeah. So people have been talking about that. You know, there could be a, there has to be a third team. It seems like it's impossible to have a third team. And then I think Mark Stein or Woj today said that if not a third team, then maybe even a fourth team has to be involved. Uh, and it's it's hard to think about who would have to be involved for the Mavericks to get involved because they. It seems like they kind of like all their guys. 
Um, Mavericks nice. just have like a we just have like a, a strict roster right now of like older veterans and then young guys. And you don't like, want to get rid of. <laughs> yeah, not a ton of people want Devin Harris and JJ Perea and something like that. And then like or Sonny or <laughs> yeah. And then like we're not giving up Dennis or Luca or something like that. And so then like you're looking at the guys like wish Harrison. We get, I wish we could Powell. get a Dwight Powell thrown in there for something. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I'm, it gets really nice. I tweeted out a, a trade today of like, like a three teamer to where like a Tyus Jones goes to, uh, goes to Phoenix and free Tyus, Phoenix. free Tyus Jones. I just know of all the teams mentioned, if I'm Minnesota, I like, I want at least one young guy that I can like try to build into something. And justice Winslow, I'm still a believer in him kind of, and I would just be wanting to get him and, Whatever that turns into, but the trade I tweeted out today was pretty much saying Josh Richardson and Tyus Jones to Phoenix, and they would send they would send TJ Warren to Minnesota, and Minnesota would get this like win now package of James Johnson, um, you know TJ Warren and Justice Winslow. Like that gives you three wings right there, and you just play around with it. And Miami would get Jimmy Butler and. There's just, I don't know. I've seen a lot of them with with uh, Goran Dragic going to uh, Minnesota. Yeah, what the heck are you gonna do with Jeff I Teague? Know. Well, no, Jeff Teague could go to Phoenix. Oh, I played around with one like that because then you had to send Tyson Chandler back to like Minnesota or something like that. But Tyson I, Chandler, one... Tyson Chandler for Dwight Powell. <laughs> Sign me <laughs> up. For that. Uh, Did you see the John? Uh, Krasinski or whatever his name, the, the yeah for that reporter. I actually really like him. He's one of the few. He's, he's, he said that like with him. Jimmy Butler not here, Taj Gibson said Derrick Rose has been running with the ones in a two point guard lineup with Jeff Teague. Oh my gosh! <laughs> they're not making That's the playoffs, a, man. There's no way they're making the playoffs. I feel so bad for Timberwolves fans, man. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> that just crashed and burned. I mean, well, I, I feel bad in so bad and so fast, so too. quick. But at least you have towns like town. Like this could be happening without your like stuff. And you something. locked him up too. Yeah, and at least you locked up Wiggins. You love Wiggins. I actually do. Yeah, yeah. You know, I still like Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> anyway, I just keep on waiting. Like, why, why, like, drag this Jimmy Butler stuff on? Like, I'm just ready for it to be over. I just keep on waiting for, like, a Woj bomb of, like, oh, he's headed to, like, Indiana or something weird or something. I know. Uh, yeah, just something out of the blue that you wouldn't expect. Just go to the East. That's all I care about. That's all I care about. Just go to the Eastern Conference. Jimmy Butler goes to the Jimmy Butler goes to the East. They don't get anything of value, like anything that would really tip the scales for Minnesota coming back. Are they are they a playoff team still? No, they get James Johnson and Josh Richardson. No. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. They're not. Like, I don't think. Like, they I think are. Josh Richardson's really good, but oh, we know. You don't know. like we, Josh Richardson at all. It. I still think they should just them and Toronto should just go all in. Just swap Lowry and Jimmy Butler and add whatever pieces you need to do with that. And See if the Timberwolves get Lowry, that changes it. I think. Yeah, I know. I like it for both sides because T Wolves get Kyle Lowry. They flip Jeff Teague somewhere else for whatever, and then you get Lowry. Raptors Lowry and Towns blow up in a year. No, nah. oh, but here's the thing. Like I tweeted that I tweeted. Uh, like my thoughts on that, and somebody was like, "No, so they're not going to take a uh, like a chance on something like that." I'm like, they "Why not?" Took a huge chance. Just... They traded the best player in the history of their franchise. 
But here's the thing. Why not take that chance? Because if you suck this year and Kawhi leaves, you're going to trade Kyle Lowry anyway. So that's like that's probably going to happen. You're they gonna almost did it three years. They almost did it like two years ago. Yeah, they probably almost did it last year when they did DeRozan. But like, <laughs> I texted you that lineup of like if they if they traded did that trade and they yeah. rolled out Van Van Vliet, Jimmy Butler, Kawhi, OG, and uh, you know Abaka whatever. Or somebody, I'm down for that. Yeah, because Valanciunas was in the trade. That is a very very fun <laughs> series with. Uh, with Boston. Both Boston and probably Golden State. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. We'll see. Bo- Boston first. Boston and the Sixers, let's put it that way. Yeah. That'd, that'd be, be fun. fun. There you go. All right. We, I just want to throw that in because it's just a fascinating situation. And we want to talk about it. So there you go. That's our Wes Matthews takes and our Timberwolves <laughs> Jimmy Butler takes. Guys. Real quick, what team is Jimmy going to be on? Ooh, uh, Miami. Okay. I want to say Brooklyn. Or the Clippers. Or Portland. That'd be weird. <laughs> what if the Timberwolves get Caesar McCollum? That would be awesome. Well, not awesome for the Mavericks, but I don't know how would that's like If I'm the Timberwolves, I'm I'm trying to make every bit of that happening. Cause it's like we well we've I've talked about this before. Like if I'm the Timberwolves <laughs> and I have towns, I, I'm doing everything, everything to find that sec, second star for town and CJ McCollum would be there. There you go, guys. Thanks for listening to Lockdown Maps. Peace out. Boom.